Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, Conversations on Photography, with me, Jem Fletcher. Today I'm chatting to Jack Davison and Agnes Lloyd Platt, two incredibly accomplished image makers working in fashion and portraiture. They also happen to be married, an important support system, sounding boards and critics of each other's work. Both Jack and Aggie's careers have been shaped by the digital revolution and the rise of social media. During our chat, we talk about all of this, exploring how they make, shape and share their work. Firstly, I wondered actually how you guys met. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Is it a good story or a bad story? It's a great reaction? story, but it's really long and very overly romantic. Oh, that sounds cute. Okay, a summary. Should I tell it? But still romantic. Yeah, you tell. Yeah, that's better. I come off better in it if I tell it. Great. <laughs> uh, so we were at school together. Um, Jack took a photograph of me on my 18th birthday, a retro night at school. And then he asked to take my portrait for like three years, which I ignored the whole time I was in a, I, was, I was with someone else the whole time and then we were skiing in the same place first time I went skiing with my dad and it was his birthday and I was obviously pissed and wished him happy birthday and he said I'm going to America for six months well I didn't you jump should, on that you, was my, my next yes, sentence wasn't like, like you should come to America yes it was <laughs> no, it wasn't. yes it was there was, there was a lot of chat for two okay. nights. Just... Got it. There was anyway, a warm-up act yes. before the big invite. There was some light flirting. Yeah. <laughs> and and I said yes. And then I left this guy that I'd been with for a really long time. Um, and we went to America. We met twice before we spent two weeks in New York wow. together. Wow. And now we are married. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> so that was your first big personal project. Was it that? Yeah, it was the start of that. Wow, that's incredible. That's where I taught him to use a film camera. <laughs> were you shooting at the same time Maggie mm, I had fin. had I finished my degree yeah yeah I mean it was we started this stupid Facebook group where it was like the anti-squirreling group because Aggie never used to show anyone her work right. still don't and, just, <laughs> and I'm obviously the complete opposite I was yeah. like, look at my pictures <laughs> but <laughs> so we started this thing that she had to share work with me and then put it up online and just kind of basically share more and more pictures so you kind of always were giving each other feedback, even sort of when you first met. Oh, in some ways, yeah. yeah, yeah, crit. Yeah, this is my one of my fiercest critics. Yeah, but that's the best, <laughs> isn't it? Because I feel like no, absolutely, photography is so isolating that to have somebody who you live with, who you respect and love even better, to give you feedback who knows you really well. I mean, probably is brutal at times, but in a way, awesome. I don't. I never. I, I never say to you like it's shit. It's it's generally the pictures always good so it's more about crop yeah or well, sometimes it's like is this like of two versions yeah. which one's stronger or, yeah and then most of the time I listen and sometimes I'm like okay yeah no yeah <laughs> and do you do the same for Aggie's work as well Jack yeah Aggie hates laying out her work and generally 
is down on her work. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that often I'm like, no, this is really great. And just lay it out like, differently or try this or. Yeah. So, so in some ways, even though your work is, you work in a similar industry, you work in actually in some ways in some, in the same parts of the industry and that you both like cross over into fashion, especially you, Aggie, but you, do you have a lot of dialogue about things all the time or do you just go through phases of sharing stuff when you're struggling no, I mean, with the project? We're, no, because we live together, you get, we get every little bit of the project usually. Yeah. And, and that's nice. I mean, it's good to be able to talk about treatments and yeah. good to be able to talk about like post and whether the job is going to make you happy creatively or whether it's going to... Or when one of us comes home and goes, oh my God, that was the worst day. Yeah. yeah. The other yeah, person's yeah. like, here's some booze. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's kind of nice as well because photography, like I guess all industries, is very niche in the things that can go wrong. And so explaining to somebody... Yeah. like the importance of a really irritating thing that happens on your shoe oh, yeah they don't get it if they don't work in the industry but yeah. having that is quite nice yeah yeah but i mean because essentially we're you know, it's not a proper job really well, well you're doing no, pretty well at a not proper job no but it's it's not like we're doing i don't know i always think like my sister's a doctor and she's doing a proper yeah, job sure. and if you're like oh the stylist wasn't very nice <laughs> and she's like oh someone died today yeah like, okay perspective's yeah, yeah, yeah. an important thing yeah so aggie in your bio it says that for 18 years you wanted to be an astronaut oh, is that true or is that just yeah and well i did really academic a levels so did you? yeah i did further maths and physics and geography and economics it used to be a brain there. yeah i don't know what happened <laughs> to my brain cool. yeah but you switched to photography and you love it yeah i got a place at edinburgh to do um physics and then i moved to london back to london with my mum and did an art foundation and sort of never went back from that when i first found out about jack's work and then when i've chatted to you you've kind of said that you you know you studied english you never really plan to do any formal training in photography and didn't you want to be something else as well like um, was it a marine biologist yeah I mean I always one thought I'd be something within the nature yeah and then realized you needed to be quite bright to do all of the aspects of it um but I've I always want I thought I also always wanted to be a painter and then wasn't a very good painter so yet. yeah it's just part of the editing process though right <laughs> you just try your hand at these things and also, um, though, you still take you take quite a lot of pictures of animals. You are involved in nature. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I, I always then was like, oh, I could be a nature photographer. And then I'm like, uh, you have to sit in a tent for like six weeks on your own. Yeah. And that would make me probably go insane. It's a little bit lonely. And you don't like the dark. Don't like the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all worked out for the best, basically. Thanks for sharing. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you're essentially self-taught, which I know you're probably a little bit bored of talking about, but I think it's really fascinating in terms of how you've shaped your work. Well, I I think when I first used that word or self-taught, and I obviously don't ha- didn't have a formal education. Mm-hmm. That's probably a bit unfair for all the people that did help me and did teach me. Essentially, I found this amazing network through uh, Flickr um, and met a really amazing kind of... Well, I did a project on this photographer. Um, and you had always for this GCSE, you had to have a biography. And I Googled everything and you, there's no information about this man. So I was like, okay. So I emailed him and he was like, well... I'm not going to write anything. You just have to ring me. So I was like, hello. <laughs> I was really nervous on the phone. Um, There's this guy called Brett Walker, and he's really kind of was kind of my school because mm-hmm. you could go to his flat and it would just have three or four photographers there from different countries and for coming from like 
for the countryside, middle of Essex, not really seeing, being exposed to that much stuff. It was kind of like, okay, okay, this is quite exciting. So I would just kind of go down and visit kind of from every kind of month, really, and get told off yeah. for doing things wrong, which that's is the best, best thing because no, it's so hard to find people that will go, this wasn't very good, or like, you're doing this wrong. And even more and more so, like now, if you're, when you're kind of, I don't know, if we're both kind of working, it's so hard to find someone who goes, mm, that wasn't as good. Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard, especially, I guess, because you're both also going through that stage and have been for a little while now where people are really hyped about your work. Having that sort yeah, of critique I mean, is really important. If, if either of us, I mean, both, we've both got bits of us that doubt our work, and that's always good. I don't think either of us are comfortable with our work 100% because if we would, we'd just do the same thing every single time. Some people do. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Loads of people do. But it's good to keep pushing. Yeah, no, like, I think more and more we both kind of talked about it and that it's a very privileged position to be mm. given space to do work or asked to do something. And if you're going to be asked to, you should really try and do something with it because mm. you're, you're speaking over another voice or someone else that could be doing something interesting. And if you do the same thing every time, what's the point like you should use a like an editorial space if you can to try things out and do something different so people don't go oh I know what that editor is going to like each time yeah because it's it's easy to get pigeonholed in a an aesthetic or a sensibility and it you know because it's your eye you will always have a running theme throughout everything but I think there seems to be a pattern of people doing doing essentially this especially in editorial, doing mm-hmm. the same thing, like in three different mags or in the same mag three months in a row and really not expanding on what their imagination has to play with, especially with fashion. It's not trivial, but it's, you know, it's an it's area to play. Space, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I think we are both lucky in that we do have that opportunity to ex- experience different things, try different things, you know, and talk about different messages that can come through within that realm of visuals. How do you find working in the fashion industry? It's fun. No, yeah, I think it's, it. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if if it's not fun, yeah, you well, should do yeah. something else. Yeah. <laughs> basically, I mean, it definitely feels like it's broadened a lot in the last few years, and it used to be almost the same people shooting the same thing over and over and a lot of big names and not much room for emerging talent or newly established talent and it feels like that's really shifted now but there are now different names that keep going that's around true. and around and around <laughs> yeah. so they're not necessarily the same older you know generation of of established photographers but it's quite cliquey I don't know I'm not in a clique so <laughs> <laughs> No, I know exactly what you mean. You're absolutely right. You don't, you can't. You, it's this kind of like you said before. You do notice the same names cropping up issue after issue. Yeah, which is exciting at first when you see like a 24 year old or you know 26 year old is just making it get their first Vogue shoot. But you know absolutely. you want to keep expanding, keep shifting and evolving. Yeah, and and to you know for some of those big mags to employ a range of people diverse in all aspects um is important for them to keep growing because otherwise it's easy to get left behind in terms of message in terms of visuals in terms of anything really it's about relevance as well isn't it it's just like we've gone from one set of voices we don't want to then we're all talking about how important it is to have diverse voices points of view whatever we don't want to then just switch to another set of exactly voices yeah it's too narrow 
So how do you find working in the same industry as in like the photographic industry together? Great. great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we've, I don't know, we're not competitive Mm -hmm. at all, really, with each other. Like, not at all. No. If you're doing something creative it's only really competition if you're making very similar work mm-hmm. to someone else You've, like yeah. and we're not yeah and neither of us want to make work that other people are doing either mm-hmm. so if you're if someone's work looks like yours or if you look like theirs you should be moving on and you know you can't actually stop other people making work that is relevant or, yeah. or yeah. related to yours yeah, but inspired by. but you there's no point in being competitive and it's so it's or it's i mean i love instagram and i think it's great because it gives me that same thrill of putting up a picture that flicker did when i was sat in my bedroom at home when i was like 16 but it does make cycles of imagery there's there's a quite a big vortex mm-hmm. very quickly of mm-hmm. like oh that, that inspiration and, and inspiration and pictures get ripped off of their name so then someone can just look at a picture and be like oh this is great and then i'll do something like that and then they never kind of take it far enough away from the source and like that's something that everyone does like that's how that's yeah. photography yeah. essentially that is the medium yeah. is you it's really impossible to take something completely unique so you've got to try and look for things that are unique to you and I kind of we always kind of with referencing wouldn't reference anything really or try to reference things for like dead people or people that kind of made work a long time ago and yeah even from you bringing that to this kind of this year or it's still going to make something feel fresher or mm-hmm. more interesting than you looking at an editor from last year being like oh okay this is yeah. my inspiration because you're it's, it's it's too close to that like yeah. time it was made and kind of the people are still around and working and... yeah too easy to make it look the same yeah. like so often i'm shooting and i've got all these references and i'm like it looks it looks like I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Do it's, it's also a natural reaction mm. when you're on a, on shooting. You can't control what comes into your head, and suddenly you'll be channeling something you've seen a while back, and you're like, "Oh, actually, crap! That was too. That was from that reference, or that was that photographer, or that was that." And it's too close. And you can sometimes you don't necessarily realize you're doing it at the time. So that's why I kind of always feel kind of sympathetic if you see a kind of a knockoff of something you're like okay like that happens to everyone and like that's how I started was knocking off Brett the guy who taught me I learned his stuff kind of applied it and then took me a while until I was comfortable enough to go okay this is the route I'm going to take it away from and move away from that. I'm really fascinated actually in this idea of how much the subconscious has an effect on photography Mm. because I think now more than ever with how many images we consume and how we consume them you can't help but get things in your head. Mm. And like you said, you have those moments when you're just like, oh, suddenly you know you've seen this before, but you can go for a little while and think, oh, this is this is new, this is different, or, or whatever. And it's a funny space. So just in terms of Instagram, I'm quite curious because I feel like you guys definitely sort of emerged and were getting a lot of attention and a lot of work when Instagram was sort of really established and it became a space where photographers could quickly get a big audience and share their work immediately compared to you know, 10 years ago when photographers didn't have that and they had to earn that audience really slowly and almost people in the industry would control who would see their pictures. No, yeah, it's got rid of gatekeepers. Yes. I was talk- I was talking to uh, photographer Christopher Anderson, um, he, Magnum photographer, he, he's kind of, he used to shoot loads of film and has shifted really kind of smartly across and can do the same thing with digital. But also I was talking to him and he was like, when he first started, you had to have a book and you had to see magazines, otherwise no one saw your work because yeah. there's no there was nowhere to post it unless you were literally fly posting it around 
a city, but even then you're not getting that many eyes on it. And that's what's so exciting is that that's what I always used to love when I was, again, with Flickr, I would, you could see where people were looking at your pictures. And for someone in Essex, I was like, oh, cool, someone in like Brazil has seen this picture and has liked it or is commenting on it and interacting with it. And that's what's so exciting is you do have access to to everyone and also all the people that give you jobs look at it as well. And if you're kind of putting up pictures, they all kind of, it shows you're still active, which yeah. almost is kind of half the battle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, relevant as well. Have, has it been nice having that audience then? Have you found it? Because you both have really established and what looks like supportive audiences in terms of people. I notice comment a lot on both of your pictures. You're quite anxious of it. Sometimes. Yeah, I go through phases. Because you used to have, you're used. To, I mean, I like still putting up pictures of radish, mm-hmm. my dog on our dog on the on our Instagram, and doing sl- sillier things yeah. to not make it just a portfolio thing. Mm-hmm. And then you take yours. Yours quite serious now about it. Not serious. No, but I like, used to be quite serious. Now I'm just a hermit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm you like sound like you're quite private hermit. about your pictures in some way. Um, some ways. Yeah, I mean, I really, I like with pictures. I I want to talk about the the industry and I want to talk about bodies and people and women and you know loads of different things and I you don't want it to dilute the issues that you're kind yeah of interested I don't know in. I mean I put loads of personal stuff on my stories um, which I love doing and um, I'm much freer with with um, I mean I used to really curate the feed but actually people don't no not the feed. The grid. Yeah. People don't look at the grid. And like every so often someone says to me like, oh, you do this. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing that for two years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> All that work. Because it is work. Yeah, yeah, it is work. And you know, it's a portfolio, yeah. basically. And I, um, I don't know. It's the sort of the idea of like someone liking it. Oh, God, I hate, I hate that I care about that because I sort of don't. Yeah. But like I do, I do want it to feel holistic as a as as a visual you know like and I don't I don't know what I love about it is that it gives people access to a pure audience like the people who are reading the magazines or buying that product or just like experience you know like-minded creatives Mm. and those people you know as you said jackets previously it was the gatekeepers who would control that and even now if you really want to work with you know if you're starting out and you really want to work for a certain magazine or something it can be like impossible you may never work for Mm. that magazine but if you can get your work in front of all of these people and get that dialogue and that support and communication I feel like there's something really powerful in that because not everybody's going to make it and not everyone's going to be able to go where they want to go it's also a really good place to um follow other people within the industry like I follow loads of models and have really great conversations with models on there mm-hmm. about you know you see them on shoots and you see them enjoying stuff or like talking about their bodies or talking about um what they're working on and actually you can have real conversations with people that you've never met about important issues that you know as as part of the same uh, concept or idea that you want to move forward with and encourage you can do it together mm-hmm. so it is a I think I still think it's a good like meeting point to have conversations that don't have you know they're not particularly personal but um but they can be encouraging and um progressive so I, th- I, I still think it's good even if you're not posting 24 7 yeah sort of thing. good for casting mm, yeah you're listening to the messy truth conversations on photography 
I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your approach and how you both work. And one thing that I really noticed is character seems really important to both of you. You both have really strong characters in your work in completely different ways. And there's almost like an element of fantasy in both of your work in that you can look at those pictures and completely fall into those worlds. Even with casting, it's just finding the kind of people that you have in. And it's really, someone always said to me, like, that it's really good if you look at someone's work and you go, okay, I kind of know what they're man and their woman are almost and not you don't have to break it down that much but just to kind of to have a strength of character throughout and a similar kind of this is the kind of person that I photograph that's so important to the picture and I don't think I think sometimes people really don't think about casting enough sometimes and they leave it last minute and I'm for me it's like that's it's the start. 95% of the picture because mm-hmm. if that if I've done shoots before where when I was kind of first starting out where the magazine would almost dictate it and I'd shoot these pictures and I'd look at them I'd go, oh, I'd be mildly happy with them. And then I'd look at them two weeks later and go, yeah, I don't like any of these pictures because the person in them isn't one of my people. It's It was like a model that felt too modelly or yeah. someone that didn't kind of have the kind of right sensibility. And it, I, for me, I don't, it, I'm not a melancholy person at all, which I kind of, and I kind of, people always go, oh, you must be so dark and brooding. And I turn <laughs> up and look like a giggling idiot and they're always like, oh, okay. That's the best contrast ever, <laughs> no, no. though. I love when and that I li- happens. And I like having that separation yeah. from my work that I can take. I mean, yeah, like, there is, like, I don't know if there's sadness, but there's a pause and a, a moment yeah. of kind of, and then it's it can mood. be silly and it can be kind of. I mean, your street, like, when you stop people on the street, there's, like, mm, I don't know how many types. There's, like, a few types of people that you stop. It's, like, old men. <laughs> there's, Take, share there's, my secrets. There's, like, beautiful ladies with babies. Yeah, you've stopped That's a few the of them. Yeah, no, they're I, always so good. We're like walking the dog, and it's always just like <laughs> some lady walks past the baby, and you're just like, "Where are you going?" And I'm not, you know, you're, I, I, it's, it's, but it's you're drawn usually, to certain faces. It's, it's yeah. points of like fragility or change yeah. in people. It's used, so it's really great photographing someone who's kind of like thirteen, fourteen, because especially even if they're in the if they're a model, because they haven't been shaped yet by mm. that kind of industry, yeah. or when people. I love when kind of a, a slightly older woman who's kind of going through that kind of I'm feeling like I'm an older person and there's a beauty to that. And then the same with someone who's just had a baby, like again, there's this fragility, but also kind of amazing kind of resoluteness and strength. Like, and I obviously I do have, and I like a freckly face. Like there's, there's certain things that obviously I'm drawn to and I yeah. kind of don't really have an explanation for that. But generally I, I always love people when you kind of can see them and and you can't place that that person could have been alive 100 Mm -hmm. years ago, could have been alive 20 years ago, could be alive in like another 10 years. Like things that aren't necessarily like, oh, there's like an Apple headphone and that shirt from that year. Yeah. That kind of stuff makes me Mm. like. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Not sad, but. It's not kind of what I want in the picture. So did you, do you still stop people to take their portraits in the street? Because I know you used to do that a lot when you started out. Less, but I'm trying to get now we now I've we've just moved and I definitely have more of a space that we can kind of bring people to and photograph them in. So there's a picture I put up this week that was from someone I cast on the weekend, um, and I it's again just getting that courage back because you do have to mm. go. It's confidence. It's yeah. It's confidence, but it's also I don't. It's not. I don't want it to be an aggressive act or anything. It's just. It's always 
kind of being like really sorry for troubling you and then you have to go oh, I'm a photographer and da, 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 da. And, then, and of course the probably most people in London have already or always heard that it's really mm-hmm. most people are like, oh yeah okay I've already been shot for days and I'm like, oh, <laughs> great but it's really I don't know it's really I trying to get myself back into that mm. habit of kind of approaching people and talking to people and just because then you do find really interesting stories so like I photographed a woman this week who's who's literally she had four days and then her, her and her family were moving back to Stockholm and like so that was it was kind of one of those amazing like fortuitous moments where she was like yeah I've got half an hour I'll come around and they did and we did a picture that's but, what's one of the great things about photography I think though those encounters it's like when you go on set and you meet somebody or somebody in the team or a model that you've not worked with before and suddenly there's just this magic or whether you meet someone on the street there's just something that's so precious about photography I think just that, that tradition. With Amanda mm. so <laughs> there's a girl we both a friend of ours who uh we i saw in a fish and chip shop in broadway market um and her brother had just told her you're really ugly no one's no one's gonna find you attractive and he was just winding her up but then i we uh, we were looking at him and we're like oh, she's really amazing so we went over and i was like oh hi we'd like to take a picture and her, and her she was just like so her brother <laughs> um but again like that was someone we met and then you've cast people who've like jogged past you and it's always kind mm. of I don't oh, know. Yeah, and it's just like then you have these amazing. I don't know. Generally, that I mean, the only thing that that particularly you get with with working with normal people is not normal people because models are normal people too. But there's just a different character and a different feeling, and mm-hmm. it, and they just do silly things or do things you don't expect. When you work with models, there's like an element of unlearning that they need to go through before you actually get any images that look like them mm-hmm. rather than looking like yeah. like their you know what is it digitals now yeah and it's also i think that, that i mean i mean being a model must be really really hard and really mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. yeah it's a tough job um so i do think you have to build this kind of like because you must have to do things you turn up and you're just like oh i'm standing still and you're going to literally put clothes on me and i'm not going to say anything that was going to talk to me so you can see why people would just shut down and sometimes when you get a model like that on set you have to be like Hey, you're yeah. in a, like a good safe space. Yeah, let's like chat. you can. We can just talk, and we don't have to be like we're not trying to like. I don't know. You're a person to us. You're not like a board yeah. or something to hang clothes on. And what about set design? Because that's a huge thing for both of you as well. Like elements of props, or with you, sometimes really elaborate sets, Aggie. So, and I wondered, kind of, where did that interest come from? Depends. I mean, generally, I I like the idea of. Um, fantasy or a surreal element to things because I kind of think there's enough people taking sort of, not street style, but like pictures of someone standing on a beach looking bored. And there are a number of people who do that really nicely and really well. And um, I think there's enough. So I try to make work that is slightly removed from reality and that, um, and set design plays a part in that because it's a, an unnatural environment and it's sort of a platform to play with and people act differently in it. And there's a, there is a slight of performance, even if it's just a heightened sense of self sort of thing. Um, so I think it also means that people aren't just concentrating on modelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you give them something to do, they do that instead like of looking at a green screen yeah they're gonna act there's that thing of like like sorry i'm a bit of a lord rings but, oh, but when ian mckellen came onto the set of the hobbit he cried because it was all green screen 
it was like this is this and it not that that is a similar kind of thing yeah if you give someone a space to move in that it, we were talking about i got asked for this like questionnaire like what do you think the industry was lacking or something and we were both talking about like just imagination sometimes mm-hmm. and because photography can be a very documenting it's literally a documenting of something that's happened yeah. and that can be amazing and that i like i come from like loving documentary and street photography but realizing quite quickly that i'm not really very i'm not that kind of photographer because i always am going to have too much of my own imprint in it i don't know if that's true Mm. i think you're a great street photographer i mean we were just saying that and and that's the thing if you if you if you bring other elements in so even i'm doing a shoot tomorrow and i pitched it that we were doing very simple kind of strong portraits but the other side of it is i think some you need something for other people to kind of be excited by so we've also built some kind of slightly weird set pieces that were inspired by a book aggie gave me um and then it just if people are walking through the space and there's things they can literally interact with you're just going to get so much more i mean they're going to be thinking about stuff that they're not thinking about if they're standing in a white cove sometimes it allows them to be part of the fantasy and the escapism themselves like, it's more fun sometimes it's like i do the thing where i just give we just i have one of someone i'm working with throw a like a bottle or something between two people and just get them to ask questions they do because then you're instantly that person's thinking about catching mm-hmm. and then thinking about catching they're not thinking about having their picture taken and then that's kind of when you're going to get something that maybe you wouldn't have got if they were just kind of going just standing still or it's really hard like having your picture taken yeah. I'm rubbish at it um I'm desperately impatient when I when I like stay still and I'm like oh. um so I you, it's great to give people I don't know something yeah. that they can actually do or talk about or so they're thinking about other things is so helpful it's a bag of tricks in some ways as well as being part of the story and the concept it's like a tool that you can use to get those moments yeah it's also like when I did that thing with all the eyes I basically just got obsessed with something yeah and I was like <laughs> uh, we made this film and um, basically it was just about eyeballs and we were in the airport going to Spain to shoot it. And I was with um, my assistant and we'd taken one of the set bags. And I and we had to shift some stuff around. And I opened one of the bags and like a hundred eyeballs like went all <laughs> over the departures. It was... Plastic uh, eyeballs, not, not real eyeballs. Bouncy balls. But, um, but I don't know. I still think, I still think set design can bring just a small moment of weirdness into something, mm-hmm. even if it's as small as a ball, you know, yeah. like a slight removal from every day makes you look at it again. That isn't just something that you're like, oh, cool, next page, or keep scrolling or whatever, or you come back to it, why you want to print, that kind of thing, or you save it. And you both have a sort of group of set designers that you individually work with that you seem to have built sort of longer term relationships with. A team's really important to you. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. the end of that question. Okay, good. No, um, no, um, yeah, no, it's it's really, you need to find the people that want to do the same things that you do. And I, I still have this, well, uh, I'll be, say that my agent will be like, oh, this person's a really good person to work with. And you're like, okay. And they'll have a meeting with them and you'll kind of go, oh, okay, okay. You talk about things and interesting things. And then sometimes you come to shoot and you're like, we are not trying to do the same thing. And you don't really know that until you're working with someone. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, you're a close person. Like, this is what's important to you. And that's the fundamental part of this picture. Which for me, I'm always trying to crop out the clothes or hide them or make them not really necessarily part of it. And 
I think as soon as you kind of find people that kind of just understand you and uh, and just are nice people to work with as mm-hmm. well, and that because if someone I don't know if someone's uh, there was an art director, one of the first art directors I worked with was a really not a very nice piece person, and really didn't support me on set when something was going bad, and it was all and then. Ever since I've just realized that that was it was my first big job, so I didn't know what stuff was really like, and I was like, "Okay, this is just it on a big job on a campaign. the guy's going to be difficult, it's going to be quite heavy going and then ever since you've gone actually no like it doesn't have to be like that, and people are really supportive, and you kind of go actually I don't want to work with someone that he would just it'd just be of someone who talked down to assistants and didn't kind of hold everyone the same and mm-hmm. there's simple things like that that kind of really kind of i don't know okay that's not someone I want to work with because again we're not doing rocket science we're not we're doing things that kind of essentially photography is a bit of a luxury and we're very fortunate to work as photographers so it should be a team of people that are all kind of responding to each other and and kind of feeding off each other that aren't kind of just being arsy or yeah it's not it's not I think as a photographer it's not one person's vision at Mm -hmm. all it's like everyone worked on it and if you don't respect your team, if you don't, like, if you're not within the team, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to come up with something either that's, like, exciting or new or, I don't know. It's just, it's it's going to be very narrow in terms of its narrative or concept because you're not listening to other people's thoughts or opinions and like half the time loads of great ideas come from someone else that's not the photographer like I've got a really great assistant who's like have you seen it from over here and yeah. oh no, she doesn't talk like that but you're right I think I think if if there's not respect between all the people you're just never going to get as good work out of it jack you've said to me before that you hate pre-planning your shoots and you don't sketch and you were even when you commission props it's all kind of there's a looseness to it because you just want to play you've I'm, sketched now have, that you've got your ipad <laughs> like a little old granny yeah um with an ipad so your approach has changed um i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's ch- essentially what you don't um, shop plan i don't i don't plan yeah we never really plan individual shots because I think, and it's the same thing that happens on a commercial job where they've sketched out the, they've literally made the picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, we'd like this picture. And you're like, oh. You've done it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but then when, and obviously you can never reach that picture because yeah. it's an impossible picture. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll spend, you'll shoot like 2,000 frames. Yeah. And by then I've generally lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I'm completely insane by that point and going, oh my God, I can't. And I just can't do it. And often it's like, if you just then try and change, if you look at it from a slightly different way or shoot it through a mirror or do something that kind of... Or throw the original picture away. Yeah, you suddenly go, oh, okay. Like, so that's why I kind of avoid sketching. And also because most of my, like, pictures that I love the most aren't planned and I don't have that much control over them. It's like someone's walked into the frame or something, I don't know, Aggie's standing in a particular bit of light that I didn't see. And then suddenly it's it kind of happens through that. So... I mean, I'm doing a shoot tomorrow and we've the only design we've done is for this, again, designing like some set stuff yeah. for people to interact with. I haven't gone, I don't really, because I never really know what stuff's going to look like until I'm doing it. And even when you're doing it, sometimes I find the pictures like a, a couple of weeks later. And it's because often when I'm editing, I get really excited. I go to the really obvious pictures and like, bam, okay, great, that one, that one. And then if you if I leave it a bit, I come back and I'm like, oh, I didn't see that one that was slightly quieter. Or I didn't see that thing that actually looks really nice and kind of now um 
but yeah, I'm not the biggest pre-planner because it, I just think it's that spontaneity and kind of lack of control I like. People don't talk about this. Everyone talks about personal work or editorial and they live in that fantasy of the industry. But all photographers need to make money and all photographers need to adapt to all these different sometimes really frustrating elements of the industry that we need to work around. And I think there's something really powerful in hearing you guys talk about that and talk about how, you know, you're, you've got a level of acceptance when someone's saying, can you do this to 10%? Because it's frustrating. Nobody wants Absolutely, to be yeah. told that, but it, it is a reality, unfortunately. Every photographer you've ever loved has done a toothpaste commercial mm-hmm. or taken pictures of a boat for someone or done like <laughs> a wedding. Like, yeah. oh, every, yeah. like everyone oh, yeah. has done it. And the thing is just owning that and being like, that's fine because that yeah. took me ages I, I always thought when I did that first big job that I was like and it didn't look like my work and it'd gone really like oh you were so heartbroken I was heartbroken <laughs> but it took me and then it took me ages to realize that it didn't matter because I was like people are gonna see this they're gonna think I've sold out they're gonna hate my work from now on but if you constantly make new pictures they'll look at those and th- those pictures will fade away because also it's fine like, yeah no it also is fine but that took yeah, ages yeah. for me to realize yeah. that I and now, having worked for like three or four years, sometimes you just know, you're like, okay, this is a money job, yeah. which is fine. And in a way, those jobs are actually like, they're quite good because with personal work or editorial, you really, you know, you put your time into it, you put your heart and soul into it, and you put all your money into it. And <laughs> And doing a job where you don't have to like, you know, use all your emotional energy on it like you can use your brain and your, yeah, like problem you know, solving yeah and and can, it can be really satisfying but knowing that you you know you don't have to lay your like heart on the table it's quite nice it sounds like you're quite excited to talk about this jack but can you tell me about your book it's really it's, it's always my my hardest thing when i was first working that my work isn't a project-based thing mm-hmm. and i was so frustrated at the time because it used to be like anything that had an interesting narrative the pictures could be so-so, and you could maybe there maybe there's one killer pitch, but the rest of them are all kind of wishy-washy. But You're the stories, about other people's amazing. books. Yeah, no, I'm talking about kind of just the work that I saw getting published was like, oh, this story about these four nuns that live in this house together, and it's like it's an amazing long-form project, but the pictures aren't that interesting. The story's just really good. Yeah, and I always struggle because when people would go like, "What's your work about?" I'm like, uh, "Stuff I've seen." <laughs> it's not. <laughs> there's no, and there's there's shared there's things I'm drawn to and repeating images. But there wasn't, and there was never like, and I even made a dummy last year to enter into like the Mac book thing. And again, I think they were just like, oh, it's too much like a portfolio because it was, it's really difficult to structure those images. images. When they're single images, naturally, they're kind of almost better on their own. But I'm doing hopefully, well, I am working with Loose Joints um, to make a book that's coming out in May, hopefully. I've been shooting really for like 12 years and there's, don't you raise your eyebrows um and there's pictures in the book hopefully that are from like there's one of my first pictures in the book of my sisters when we were like taking on this really kind of crappy little camera they hope and i kind of attempt to be like this is my world almost a bit thanks for listening to the messy truth you can find more information about today's guests in the show notes Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts.